cool scope of podcasts designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines of the music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm your host, Wendy Burns, and my kind of person, Ivan Morris. How's it going, man? Beautiful intro, bro. Beautiful <laughs> intro. I, I, had a, I had a question for you, though. I had a question. I've been hearing this in the last few days about what's the cutoff point for saying Happy New Year's. To you, what is the cutoff point? Like, how long can you say Happy New Year's? Is it to the, the end of January, the, the third week? Like, first, after the first week, there's no, it's, it's just a normal <laughs> it's over year. Here. Yeah, happy, like, first week, happy new year. You know, after that, it's just another year, 2024. Just remember to put four instead of three, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> people will forget that. People will forget. 2023, it's like, nah, not anymore. <laughs> I've been doing that since high school, bro. Like, forgetting what year it is and putting the last year. But, yeah, first one week, happy That's new it. year. There's, one week. There's, there's nothing else you should say happy new year to. Because a couple of days ago, I, I was out at a, at a restaurant with my mom and, and somebody that we saw. They said, Happy New Year. And I'm like, man, we, we're we like, it's January 11th now. Like, we still, <laughs> we're still saying Happy New Year? Okay, all right. I'll roll with it. <laughs> okay. Just say nice to see you. Just say man. nice to see you. <laughs> what are we doing? Man, but we have a lot of topics to get into for this one. Obviously, some college football topics. A lot of coaching changes we're going to get into. Um, obviously, some thoughts on, on uh, the NBA. Going to get into some album reviews in the second half. We're going to do a review of Maestro. But start off with Nick Saban's retirement announcement and also, you know, other coaches departing. Uh, this news dropped this past Wednesday from, you know, one of college football's coaching greats who won seven national championships and made Alabama powerhouse again. Also won a title at LSU. But, man, this was a really shocking announcement because – you know, obviously he's he's 72, he's getting older, but they had just lost to Michigan. They were on the brink of another championship. And he really, and I saw that interview he did, had with Reese Davis about him talking about him, the grind of the season really wearing on him, him wanting to take yeah. things um, slower for, you know, in, in the later in the later years of, of his life and career. What did you think about the announcement and also um, just the legacy that he left for college football in Alabama? Man, um, uh... Getting the notification from ESPN and just like realizing that a dynasty creating fella who's been in every facet of football is just said he was going to retire. And you can hate Alabama all you want. You can dislike Nick Saban, but what he's done for the, the state of the game, state of college football, and what he was able to build coming from my, my the Miami Dolphins and, and going to this college yeah. team who had no identity before he got there. It's always used to be Bear Bryant, this, Bear Bryant, this. Um, but what he was able to like implement and create in some short years and just go on a run yeah. and win so many championships. I think he has seven national championships, one with LSU, six with, um, Alabama. with Alabama. And the countless draft picks that come from Alabama, the, the, the development of players mentally, physically, emotionally it's it's sub it's, it's it's so incredible what they was able to do at the university of alabama because of nick saban and so many coaches that have come from the from tutelage yeah <laughs> tutelage from nick saban so every facet of the game he has touched i think he's one of the greatest if not the greatest uh college football coach that ever grace um grace the field man from yeah. from draft pick standpoint from uh coaches from national championships from from development uh high school students into into grown grown men mm-hmm. and take them to the next level if they go to the NFL or not but what he was able to do man his tenure at Alabama was amazing and I always had respect for Nick Saban and even meeting him one time I was like oh I thought he was taller <laughs> you met Nick Saban 
Yeah, well, he he recruited Luches. So oh, it was, okay. yeah, Luches, we we graduated together, play on the same team. It was out of there or Florida. Nick Saban actually came to Pine Forest High School to recruit Luches personally. Wow. And obviously we were in coach office and was able to like, you know, I didn't take a picture. A lot of people took pictures, but he was my he was just a nice guy, but yeah. he knew football a lot. And um He's intimidating a little bit because <laughs> he reminds me of my coach, but more obviously had more um, status than coach Jerry Pollard. But it was like, yeah, those guys are intimidating because how much they love football, the knowledge they have of football and just the amount of hours they put into preparation to get players ready. But now he was a great, great guy, but just what he's done for Alabama, man, there's no other coach that's going to even come close. I think he surpassed Bear Bryant and, and I'm, I'm not an Alabama fan. I'm not gonna I can say this. A lot of Alabama yeah. fans won't say it, but I think from a standpoint of developing players and coaches, I think there's no other those better than Nick Saban. Not at all. Yeah, absolutely, man. He he is that that um that standard. He set that 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 new standard in college football. Everybody has to follow it now. And I think a lot of times with these coaches, um we we're so used to seeing them year after year that we're like, yeah. we don't think about the end. We never think about the no. end. You know what I mean? No. We just think about, okay, I t- you know, September rolls around. We're going to see them again. They're going to make another run for it. But yeah. it, it's just like when a coach comes to that decision, obviously he said, I didn't want to just think about myself. I always like having a five-year plan. And then he said, when, right. I'm, when I'm making commitments to these recruits and these families, I always want them to have a five-year window and just like knowing, hey, I'm going to be here a long time. Do you think that was another thing that kind of came to his mind about, Hey, I'm getting older. I don't want to keep making these long-term commitments and I can't really stay around. Yeah, that's exactly what he said in the interview. Um, he did prior to him now seeing his uh retirement. Yeah. He was just like that, and also he was like, I'm tired of not being honest. I can't keep saying I'm gonna be around. And Reggie Bush, you know, great football player, but sometimes he just talks out the side of his neck about that the NI deal and all these things got to Nick Saban. He couldn't handle it, so he retired. That's that's asinine, to be completely honest with you. Because there was still a top five yeah. college football team every single year, NIL or no NIL. Mm-hmm. They got some of the top recruits. So that was just asinine. But I do think him, the preparation it took, you could tell that he was drained this season. I don't yes. think he had to develop players like this in a while because obviously when you're a dynasty players are wanting want to come and play with you, play for you, and are willing to sit. And they already have this high amount of talent, and you don't have to really develop them as much as you know prior to you being a, a you know a powerhouse. But right. you can tell that quarterback situation took them through the defense, the mentality. Yeah, it took a lot on them. So I I agree. Like I'm at this age, it's not a health thing, but it's just mentally. Can I continue to do this over and over and over? He has nothing left to prove. We like we always like to say, what is there? What is there to prove for <laughs> Nick Saban? Do? Yeah, like he's checked all facets of of football. Uh, it's just uh, yeah, it's just weird. But I do think him being able to uh, be around and implement and and develop these players each year at that age, I don't think he can do it anymore. And obviously, he said that himself. And they and they just recently yesterday made a, a announcement about uh, Kalen Kalen DeBoer being the, the new coach. How, how do you? Yeah. Are you surprised that they yes. made? Yeah, because I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Like, man, they made the announcement so quick, and usually, like, they go through this like process. Like, how surprising to you was that that they made that that uh, announcement just so quick the week of Saban's retirement? 
Well, I'm pretty sure they were in talks. Uh, they had talks with the months. He said, I'm pretty sure Nick Saban was very, um, you know, honest. He was like, because I think I forgot the reporter's name. He's a big guy, uh, big time guy in um, media. He was like, I talked to him about it three years ago. So I'm pretty sure that talk was coming up and was continuously like, okay, who do we have in mind? I'm pretty sure they had a laundry list. Obviously, they they like Norvell, but Norvell got the big contract with Florida State to be able to stay. Right. Um, Lanning put his flag down with, with Oregon. Uh, there's probably some other you know players, pieces of coaches that they wanted. But I think developing players in the NIL era, I yeah. think he was the best fit. What he did with Washington, I think it was two, three short years and take him to the national championship and be able to do what he did. I think that's what Alabama is looking for. They're looking for a head coach who could come in, recruit well, which he can, and develop players fast enough to be able to still be a contender. And I think they got what they wanted. And I think both both parties involved because being a head coach – Yeah, but it's a lot now. I'm telling you, once he gets into that office and sits down – and realize what Nick Saban had to do for so many years, it's going to get overwhelming, but I think he's perfect for the job. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and now getting to, to analysis for Michigan's national championship win versus Washington. Uh, Michigan won the national title 34-13. to Blake Corum ran for 134 yards, scored two touchdowns. Uh, Savon's happy, sipping his drink. He's like, I, was, I told you guys. <laughs> Mitchell McCarthy had a good performance, 140 yards and ran for 31, and is now 27-1 as a starter for Michigan. Um, and and this was a game where I felt as though, um, especially through the first half, I felt as though it should have been a much bigger lead for Michigan. I thought yes. they were playing much better than Washington, but they couldn't like mm-hmm. break away. Then in the fourth quarter, that's when they really just took off, separated themselves. What did you think about this game and also just the fact that Michael Penix, they brought pressure that made him look not like the same quarterback that he usually looked like? So when we talked about this prior in the podcast, I said two things was going to happen. One, they're going to run the ball really well and they're going to get after Michael Penix Jr. And yeah. it's going to, they're going to highlight how bad this offense is. And hats off to Michael Penix Jr. because he gets the ball out super quick and that has been saving this offense in line for him offensive line from embarrassment all season. He yeah. gets the ball out so extremely quick. It reminds Lightning me of Tom speed. Brady. Yeah. Yep, reminds me of Tom, yeah. Reminds me of Tom Brady. Gets it out quick. Knows where he wants to go. Already has the, the check down or, or scanning through. He goes through his progressions really fast. I don't think that's a highlight to be a, a NFL quarterback. But those things are the difference makers. Yeah. He hasn't been pressured as much. They don't like to run him as much, so he's going to stand in a pocket, and then he, they're going to get opportunities to hit him, pressure him, or do a couple of things, and they did a lot of man zone. A lot yeah. of big throws missed as well, and I think that comes with him being rattled, not being able to set his feet and be confident and throw mm-hmm. most of those throws. So it was a. I think the pressure really made a difference in this game, and then you look at the running game for Michigan, I knew that was going to be a factor. I didn't think it was going to be that quickly, that was going to happen that quickly, but being able to have that patient run and offensive lineman, uh, Michigan's offense, being able to push right. and, 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 the, and the play calling was a lot better from Alabama. The run plays were better. The pass calling was better. And again, JJ didn't make many mistakes, but now I'm thinking JJ is not ready for the NFL. Yeah. That, this, game, <laughs> this game showed me like this guy is not He's ready, not ready for the NFL. It's not one of those ones. He's, he's, he's not an NFL He's going to pay for college football. It's, gonna, it's, good, it's good for college football. But for NFL, you can tell mm-hmm. the guys, especially in these big games, like I was not 
It was not, it was not an impressive performance at all. It was just a decent not, performance. <laughs> he did what he had. To, I mean, just to get the but, win, but for to to like get to that next stage and that next level, yeah, did not show us a lot. He did what he was supposed to do as a college quarterback who's big moments, game managed. That's yeah. what he does. That's what JJ's been doing since he's with Michigan, and he did his job. But to be able to be set yourself apart from Caleb Williams, Michael Pick right. Jr., those guys, you have to have those big numbers, make those throws, go through progression. I just don't think he's ready for the NFL. Um, I do think he's capable of making great throws. One, It was one throw he – zipped it, led the receiver, made a big play. I think it was like a 35 gain. But he has that potential, but he doesn't show it enough. Maybe if he's put into a situation in the NFL, if he gets drafted probably fifth or sixth round, I think he's a fifth or sixth round quarterback, then maybe he can, you know, show that in progression in a a different system than Michigan's, but not. For right now, I don't see him being an NFL quarterback starting. How much did Michael Penix hurt his draft stock, though? Because I think he had a, I mean, he had a rough performance. I mean, it wasn't like, as bad as 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 McCarthy hurt his his stock because I think with Penix he just didn't. Coaches want to see a scouts want to see hey can how do you handle pressure how can you handle yeah. that for the next stage. He was missing throws that he normally makes like like yeah. that even that fourth that that fourth down one where the guy was wide open overthrows him. They they showed the the the, the sideline cam to the coordinators and they're going crazy because they're like he makes that all the time but yeah. in the big game he doesn't make that like how much did he hurt his his draft stock to you. I don't think he heard it that much. Just taking into account of what Michigan was able to do uh, this this season, a Russian ambassador in the previous game that had six sacks. This this is and then this in this Washington offense is not great at all. It was, it was Michael Penix Jr. He made them uh, look amazing. Deci- look yeah. amazing, <laughs> decisive, getting the ball out of his hand, being accurate, being able to. Uh, and the play calling as well, getting the ball out of his hands fast, making helping the offense so they don't have to block that long. And you right. see when they were down a distance and behind the sticks or behind in points, they had to throw a lot. And then that's where Michigan was able to to uh, rush the passer and get some pressure on him. But I don't think it, it hurt his draft stock much. I do think he's a he's an NFL quarterback. He has those mechanics. And then one thing I think all scouts look at right now for Michael, he gets the ball out quick. And a lot of these rookie quarterbacks or these some veteran quarterbacks hold the ball look at Jalen Hurts holding the ball way too long and don't you do that <laughs> holding the ball way too long in certain situations get the ball in his hands I think scouts are more so looking at that obviously you begin to rush you're pressured obviously that they look at that too but they're not I don't think his draft style went down much I don't think so at all of what he's has accomplished this season yeah. I do think it the showed, totality, the totality, yeah, the totality of it yeah. all. I think he he's still in, he's still set where he is. Definitely. Um, and another thing before we move on, Jim Harbaugh. That's obviously a storyline there because you know he finally wins the championship at Michigan, beat Ohio State. Um, I think this was the the second or third straight straight year they, they beat Ohio State, and that's obviously something mm-hmm. when you do that at Michigan, like you're yeah, checking you're checking boxes as we like yeah. to say, you're, you're really checking boxes there, like. What do you think he's his next move is going to be? Do you think he's going to go to the NFL? Because the Chargers have been mentioned, the Bears have been mentioned. Um, I think I think he makes that move to the NFL. I don't I don't see him staying in college. Like like how, how do you see him making his next move? I know last year he was playing with the thought of going to the Chargers, yeah. and then there was some talk about him even trying to go to the Broncos. But I right. think he should stay with Michigan. I think. His style of coaching is outdated for the NFL. I think he he's in the, the business of developing players, and I think he should stay with Michigan. 
and create a dynasty there because there's nothing for you in the NFL. Be the next Alabama. <laughs> yeah, next Alabama, next Clemson. Yeah. Um, the USC at some point they were they were a dynasty. Create a dynasty at Michigan that never has been in Michigan. Yeah. Create that. Uh, recruit you another five star quarterback. Get start getting that stabilized there. Obviously. Yeah. Three years in a row being Ohio State. He was in the college football playoffs last year. Came up short. You won it this year. Stay there. Be, it's nothing for you in the NFL. You're going to go coach some grown men who make million dollars, or you want to coach some players, some young players that you can develop Do you want to coach Justin Herbert? Do you want to coach, yeah. coach Justin Herbert? I think that's right. – he likes, he likes coaching those, those good quarterbacks. Justin Herbert is – unless Bill Belichick wants to Justin Herbert. <laughs> like, I, mean, I don't know, man. Somebody... I, just, I don't think he, he should leave Michigan. I think he's he's fine where he's at. Now he's, like you say, he get to sit at the big boy table with his, his dad and his yeah. brother. Yeah, at the kiddie table anymore. I just don't think there's anything for him in the NFL. You had your stint with the San Francisco 49ers, went to the Super Bowl, lost to uh, a, a, a great – Ravens defense team, a uh, great defensive team. I don't think there's nothing for him in the NFL to prove or to look at. Start a dynasty. Do in the NIL era, that's that's incredible to do. Start a dynasty there and just make Michigan continue to be great and implement what you've been doing for the past you know, four or five years. There's nothing for him in the NFL. You don't think he wants to just forget this whole sign skilling controversy and be like, hey, I'm done with I'm done with college. He got a ring. He got a That's ring true. from it. All the adversity they faced this season, stealing signs, whatever, NIL, whatever the case, they still won the national championship. Yeah, Started at the end of the day, they got the job done. What is enticing you to go to the NFL? You're making the same amount of money. The players are making the same amount of money. You get to develop. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't see the eye candy for the NFL for my college football coach. I just won a national championship. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to the to NFL with the Bills winning the AFC East and other Week 18 takeaways. Buffalo won 21 to 14 in Miami. Josh Allen threw for 359 yards, two touchdown passes. Um, also had three turnovers in Miami territory. But the Bills mm-hmm. were five and five in mid November. And really faced long odds to get into the postseason. Then they just went on this run, um, and they're second, second in the AFC. Won the AFC East. I mean, this really was. They beat the teams they had to beat. Um, had a lot of big time performances. Um, did how much did it surprise you that they were able to go on this run, win the AFC East, and also, um, you know, what Miami didn't do to be able to to get the home field? So one, Tyreek Hill was hurt. Two, Tua. It's not like that. And again, and I say this about Brock Purdy as well, I will keep saying it until it's continue revealed. Tua has a lot of weapons around him. And he's being being gifted this amount of talent. And we're giving him accolades for doing what he's supposed to do with that many talented wide receivers and running backs and tight ends. And then once he doesn't, Utilize them correctly is shown what type of quarterback he is. Same thing with Brock Purdy. But anywho, um, oh gosh. can't Buffalo, wait till next week. Can't wait till next week. Super Bowl okay. run started. <laughs> okay, you really think they're going to the Super Bowl? Well, I do. It's crazy. But you have green on right now, though. So. Just say contradiction. Should have worn my red. Should have worn red today. <laughs> but now, but we talked about this throughout the season. What the Bills need to do to to turn this around, and it starts with Josh Allen. 
Yeah. What they were, how they were successful, his rookie season, second sophomore season, where he's extending plays, he's not playing hero ball, he's not forcing it. The running game is helping, and he's doing the bare minimum. When you try to make Josh Allen do more than he should, that's when you start losing, and then the defense is playing better on the back end. That's what they've been doing. Him extending plays when he first got in the league, they didn't think he was a like 6'5", two, like 225, 230. Thought he was a pocket passer. Then he started high, highlight reels, hop, hopping, hopping over people, extending plays, throwing on the run. That's where he's. That's where he's good at. That's when at the offense starts run, moving. At thirty yeah. thirteen run, he had man. Yeah, <laughs> he likes that's the contact he, though. He likes the contact, and that's where he should be instead of him being a complete pocket passer, trying to throw it down, try to force throws, try to try to throw people open. Trying to throw people open is okay only at certain moments. Play, don't play hero ball, and that's what he hasn't been doing. He's been playing smart football. They're moving it. Running game is working with Cook, and then he's extending plays and they're helping the offensive line out. I think that's why they're there. They're starting to get back to the basics like we talked about them doing it throughout the season, getting yeah. back to the basics, and you're going to win ball games. Now you just won the AFC East. Beautiful. Out of Miami, who was hot the entire season, and then now – I mean, they're, they're, they're still kind of hot. It's still kind of hot, 11-6. But stick to tonight. the base. Yeah. It's, not stick to be it. it's cold, <laughs> baby. It's cold. Man. But it said, baby, it's cold outside. Baby, it's cold outside. Yeah, that's the, that's the Kansas City vibes for tonight. <laughs> I'm not playing in it. Excuse no. me, sir. <laughs> i watch it on Peacock and enjoy what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy it. it. <laughs> that's too um, cold, man. And, and, and now getting into... Um, most intriguing wild card game, obviously mm-hmm. Cleveland and um, and and Houston are already playing uh, uh, now, and we got the Kansas City Miami game tonight. Also, uh, Rams Lions is a really intriguing one because Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit, um, Jared Goff playing his former team. I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Just those two storylines mashing. Yeah. Like, what do you think is going to be the most intriguing wild card game? Obviously, your Packers are back in it, so I know you're going to be glued to the screen when they play. <laughs> oh, for sure. Tomorrow, yeah, at 4.30. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking at Philly Buccaneers. Those Eagles. <laughs> Fly, no. Eagles. Fly. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, I would go pack go. But A.J. Brown is out. Deleted all his, con- his Twitter, took all his Philadelphia content. He doesn't believe they can beat the Buccaneers because he'll come back if they beat the Buccaneers. He's lost all hope. This offense has lost all hope. Defense still playing strong in certain moments. Philly has lost their thunder. But you know what? It's playoffs. They're going to come back. And I feel like this is so dramatic that he's just a bit. Listeners, listeners, you hear this? He's getting emotional. (laughs) No, I'm not getting emotional. Philly is going to beat the Buccaneers. But I say this is my tricking game because Buccaneers, for the last four games, have played lights out. Baker Mayfield drunk something. I don't know if it's his dip that he's been chewing on since week 10. (laughs) (laughs) That's giving him eagle powers, no point intended. And they look really... They're winning football games. Deepest winning. winning, Oh, that's the winning juice. (laughs) Hope Brock Purdy has that winning juice. Brock, keep drinking the winning (laughs) juice. We're going to Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) 
never asked this. Who is your football team? Who is your NFL team? I don't think I ever asked this. Patriots. Patriots. They were what Brady are you left. talking about? They were, Brady, they were Brady left. They were Brady left. I was like, oh, goodness. Who do I, who do I root for? <laughs> maybe this information has like been put in the back of my brain, but I've never thought you were a Patriots <laughs> fan. I was the biggest ever since 07, because I didn't have a team up, uh, up to that point. But 07, when they went on that, that 16-0 run, I was like, Oh, you! I was a front runner. I was a front runner. (laughs) (laughs) Say it ain't so, Willow. Say it ain't so, bro. And college basketball, Duke. College basketball, Duke through and through. Then Mike Krzyzewski left. I'm still a Duke fan. Still a Blue Devil. But that was because Tyler was a big Duke fan. I just stuck with them. But right, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then now you're a 49ers advocate. Okay, that makes perfect (laughs) sense. That makes perfect sense. Brock Purdy, (laughs) Brock Purdy. Um, But no, I I do like the Rams. I do like the Rams and the Lions game, not just because of the storylines, because now what they love to do with the Lions offense is run the football. And then the Lions, I mean, the, the Rams defense have played lights out. These past yeah. three games, trying to get uh, get back into the playoff hunt, and now they here here they are. So in the trenches, I think this is going to be one in the trenches, and who can who can get some takeaways? And I, yeah. I I think both teams, and I think Micah said this when he was on a podcast that Detroit don't have the experience, and I don't think that's going to play a role. I think they understand the the moment. I think they understand what they have to do to win a ball game and they're going to, they adjust well at halftime. So I don't think the the lack of experience is going to play a role for them playing the Rams who have won a Super Bowl in the past, you know, four years. So I don't think it'll play a role, but I think it's going to be one in the trenches who could get some takeaways who have the ball last. I'm going to be honest. I don't think the 49ers want to see the Rams. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be objective. I don't think the 49ers want to see the Rams. I think that's a team that actually can can scare the 49ers because Sean McVay, He's a he's offensive mastermind just like Kyle Shanahan is. Matthew Stafford can win it. That's the one team I would say I would get a little nervous. I would get a little nervous. You must have forgot about Green Bay <laughs> Packers, bro. We're winning the Super Bowl, bro. Now you're talking crazy. Now you're talking crazy. <laughs> you are now you're sa- talking crazy. The Cowboys are gonna score at least 35 points tomorrow, man. At least 35. get, get <laughs> out of here, bro. You're crazy. We're gonna beat at- the Dallas Cowgirls. Cowgirls. Detroit <laughs> is going to beat the Rams, right? The Rams Philly's going to beat Tampa. I do have Philly beating Tampa, then they'll get blown out in the second round. They'll get, they'll get, they'll get knocked if out we here. Get, knocked if out we here. get the 49ers, <laughs> if we, when we beat Dallas and we get the 49ers, we're going to beat them. Listeners, I just want to say this. If, he, if they win San Francisco... If they beat San Francisco, he, he is gonna be insufferable the week after. I'm gonna be. I'm. I might have to call it. I've been right. Well, it's it. Well, it's it. I've been right. I've been right, bro. I've been right. I have a gut feeling they mess around and let us get into the playoffs. You really think they're gonna upset Dallas tomorrow? You re- like seriously? For sure. You're being serious with that. For sure. <laughs> Bro, bro, what Dak Prescott loves to do is play action. They're not going to run the ball with Pollard. More than likely, no. Yeah. It's it's going to be be heavy play action. He's going to have to step back there and stand in the pocket. And you know Dak does not like to run. We're going to get after him. 
They're going to get behind the sticks because they cannot run the football consistently enough with Pollard. They're going to try to do a bunch of screen plays and try to do play action. They're not going to be able to do that. That's, that's my gut feeling. And I think that defense is going to make too many mistakes with Bland and all those guys. Yeah, they can get after the ball, but we can still run the football on them. You can run the football on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you get behind the distance, they can rush the passer. And with Dexter Lawrence and, 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 and Parsons and all these guys that get off the football. But I think we've seen that secondary make too many mistakes in big games and even regular games. I'm not convinced that they can beat us. And I'm convinced we can beat the 49ers. <laughs> only, t- only team only team we are scared of seeing is the Rams. That's it. That's it. Why are you saying we? Else? Why are you saying we? You said you was a Patriots fan. Oh, Wellington. Wellington. Only team that the 49ers nah, are scared of are you a 49ers fan I'm not now? a 49ers fan. I'm just saying, I've never we. seen a team. I've never seen a team that I'm just so sure of that's going to make the Super Bowl. Oh, you speaking I'm so fresh, sure. Now. I'm so you, sure. Of. Oh, you speaking you now, bro. <laughs> we. You speaking we. Of, we like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, let's see. Let me find out. But I've been right. So I have a gut feeling. Who you got for Dolphins Chiefs? Dolphins Chiefs. Chiefs going to win that one. Tua. I think so. Tua, the moment is too big for Tua. Any Bill. I, I got Bills beating the Steelers. I think they'll, they'll win that game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the quarterback play is going to hard steal it. You try to roll that in? You say 35 what? 24. 35-24. What you got? Come on. It's going to be a 2017 type game. It's not going to be a high scoring game. They score a lot of points at home. They score a lot of points at home. Well, well we, we this will be to, to be continued. Well, we, got, we got a Cowboys fan. We got a Cowboys fan coming on wait, for the wait. next episode. So we're, we're before gonna... we before we move on, we have the record against them of how many times we play. That is true. Them. That is true. We beat them all the time. Playoffs, regular season, does it? No, Mr. A Rod. <laughs> so I mean, he was our quarterback for fifty years. Jordan Love, first year as a starter, he's in the playoffs. That's impressive, man. That that's highly impressive. Definitely, A Rod didn't do that. You did not, yeah. That, Brett didn't funny. do that. Did, <laughs> did Westcom do that? Did Bart do it? I think Bart did, but that was a different time. That was like in the, the 30s. Yeah, that was a different era. <laughs> I love how we're so dismissive of the 30s. I was at the point, the roaring 20s. <laughs> that was Lombardi, though, even though they were great. That was Lombardi, though. They were great, though, but Definitely. different style of play. Um, and before we move on, obviously, the news of Bill Belichick leaving New England has been a major headline. Pete Carroll exiting. Um, that's what have crazy, been your, your other thoughts on, on the other coaching d- departures and, you know, the, the with Mayo being the, the new New England coach and just kind of new changes that are happening with coaching inside the NFL? I love the Mayo uh, hire just because he's familiar. Yeah. He understands what Within the system. Uh, being, a, yeah, being consistent with a Patriot um, should be and how you run an organization because he's all I think he played eight seasons and all of them were with the Patriots and now he was the inside linebacker coach for four or five years. So I understand, I, I love that pick. Um, and I think he's going to try to bring that defense of presence back because the Patriots defense used to be like the, their, the strength, strength. They never had a top wide receiver. Kevin Falk was the, the running back. I mean, they never had like a, besides Randy Moss, but they, or, um, Brown don't count. That was a, that was his later in his career. But they never had the big time wide receivers. Their defense 
Oh my God, Ty Law, Roddy. Like, oh my goodness, Seymour. Like, their defense always stacked. Um, and I think hopefully he could bring back that the glory days of the Patriots defense. But now I always thought Bill Pelichick was immune to firing. The amount Me too. of yeah, the amount of success he was able to to bring doesn't matter if it was Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady's doing or whatever. He was the head coach. He gets all most of the glory of starting his dynasty, winning all those Super Bowls, and going to those Super Bowls. Yeah, and um, I thought he was immune. I thought him and Robert Kraft was going to be, you know, to the one of them died. I mean, that sounds terrible, wow. but that's what I. That's what I thought, bro. I thought he was, if any right. head coach was immune. Go that long. Honestly, go that long. It with was the, Bill. With success in the dynasty, yeah, for sure. They must have had some, some fiery meetings for them to, Robert Kraft was like, okay, bro, I'm, I just don't think, Bill, you can do it without Tom, or what, I don't think you can do it anymore. So, Kraft I'm was interested. always loyal, always yeah. loyal to Tom. He was always loyal to Tom. And I think, and, and I, I, I really think he was, because I think Belichick was like, when, with that Garoppolo move, they were, Belichick was saying, hey, let's move on from, from Tom quicker than we want to. But Tom, I think I think the inside, the last couple of years, Brady and Belichick were kind of at odds. I don't, oh, I for don't sure. Think that, yeah, I don't think they were, oh, for they were sure. the same chemistry. Oh, for sure. And obviously show him, you know, moving on and, and then winning. That's unheard of for a quarterback to go to another team. And then the next season. You win. Win a Super Bowl. Like, I was that's, like, I, I still to this day think. That was one of Brady's most motivating years because oh. he really wanted to set a record straight. Hey, I want to show them I can win even without them. The first year, yeah. too. And then every, from ESPN to NFL Network to podcasts across the nation, everybody said Tom Brady was done. He can't throw as as hard as he used to. He's not accurate anymore. The same thing they did to Peyton Manning. And then right. the next year, Peyton Manning just went crazy and won mm -hmm. the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it's extremely funny the amount of things they say about these older quarterbacks. I mean, I mean, that's the lay of the land. That's the narrative you have to create because, oh, they're older. They can't do the same thing they used to. And right. then what, and Tom Brady be able to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of all teams who haven't been to the, to the, to the, to the, I mean, to the Super Bowl since, oh, was it what? Oh, yeah, like when John Gruden, Derek yeah. Brooks, shout out to Derek Brooks, all those guys. Mm -hmm. And Warren Sapp, man, shout out to Warren Sapp, one of the greatest defensive linemen ever to do it. Um, and to be able to go to Tampa Bay Buccaneers on all teams and lead them. Obviously, you have Mike Evans, but outside of that, they didn't have no big-time weapons. Leonard Fournette that was, was – such an accomplishment. Yeah, such, such an accomplishment. accomplishment. But, Yeah. But I just, I just thought to be able to play it and to be able to play the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Like of all, it was everything is yeah. That was out. just that was, that was crazy. <laughs> that was scripted and it was COVID. Like it was like right before COVID. COVID. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now uh, transitioning to NBA and, and the news of John Morant being out for the season. It was announced uh, this past Monday night that John would undergo a season-ending surgery on his right shoulder. This is expected to be fully recovered for the start of the 2024-25 season. Uh, they were six and three when he got back in the lineup, and obviously this is such a, a you know tough news for the Grizzlies yeah. because when you have a guy who really is the center of what they do, he showed his importance when he came back in, had the game winner against New Orleans his first game back, everything he was doing for them. We were even, even talking about it the last episode. Can they go on a run with him to get into the postseason? Because like, yeah. they started off rough, but like, they were winning a lot of games. They were getting back into that groove and now it's um he's done for the year. Man, what are your thoughts on on this for Memphis and also just you know how this pushes pushes them back another season? What is bad for basketball? Yeah. Because like I said, I, can, I think he could be the face of the NBA. 
once LeBron James hangs it up. And I think he has that talent. And if he just comes together with some other little <laughs> things here and there, I think he could be the face of face of basketball. But I think it, it hits you because a lot of people got excited that Jaw was back. You know, colleagues, other players were excited that he was back. And then he showed how valuable he was as a player and as a teammate. And for him to to be a season in an injury after being suspended for a, a lot of time, I think that's incredible. That's 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 insane, bro. Yeah. You can't you can't write this up. And injuries are a part of the game. I hope it doesn't spark a a avalanche of injuries. And then he's plagued. And I, I want to cross my fingers. I'm not superstitious or anything, but I don't want his career to be like Brandy Roy's or. Or Greg Oden, or all these guys that were extremely great. Rose, and one of good. my favorites. One of my favorites, man. He was supposed to be one of. The, he was supposed to be a Hall of Famer. He, Derek Rose is another one plaguing injuries, and I think they have a similar style of game. It's just I hope this is not an avalanche of. Of uh, I just want to put a plug injuries. in, listeners. If you have not watched Brandon Roy highlights, oh do goodness, yourself a favor do. and go. Do yourself a favor and go look back because he was one of the most oh. special players I had ever seen. Forget man. about was, Dame time. Forget about Dame it was time. Roy, at this Brandon point. Roy it, time, man. Brandon Roy was, was so Brandon Roy fire, time. and he wasn't like it wasn't flashy. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't, he just got it done. He, he just got it done. He's one of the blue collar workers. <laughs> he's gonna give you thirty. He's gonna he's gonna be a great facilitator. He's gonna play defense. He yeah. got he could jump out the gym. He's light skinned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Put a light skin car. <laughs> he wasn't Damn, emotional. That's crazy. That's yes, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't in his feelings. <laughs> yeah, none of that. He didn't do a disc record. He didn't try to do music. He didn't try to rap. He just played basketball. He got the short end of the stick. Never was in a wheelchair. Never was in a wheelchair. <laughs> Somebody on the barbershop last night. Jimmy! And they were having a Drake. They were having a Drake argument. They're like, "Man, I can't respect Drake because he was in a wheelchair." <laughs> he was an actor, bro. I mean, he was an actor, so I mean, whatever. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> Speaking, of, we always get to Drake, bro. Yaz and Bay. You're Yaz almost, and yes. Bay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Just, oh, you I, saw it? I saw it. I was gonna talk about it. I thought that was a perfect. <laughs> explanation i don't think drake is hip-hop like you know what hip-hop is these artists that we're going to talk about later are hip-hop that's the definition of hip-hop the the remnants of hip-hop i think drake is pop with a mixture hey that was funny with a lot of that's a lot of skews that was funny bro that was that's pretty good a lot of skews i want to say it's, this though i want to say this for it for, for for context uh-huh y'all seen but he, he recently had an interview and he oh, said yeah, drake's okay. music is pop and is compa- compatible with shopping at target <laughs> but now I, put, now I do want to I, I do want to say this i understand what he's what he's mentioning and what he's yeah. talking about because look Drake has a lot of audiences that like his music. There are some audiences yes. that don't even know Drake raps. Probably they they just know him as <laughs> as as just like the sing the hit guy because they just know they listen to the radio hits. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. They don't really listen to the cat. I'm talking like the really like casual listeners. Yeah, everybody you know most everybody know, knows that he raps. But this is the thing though. The only issue I have with it, the OGs always mention him in this tone of like they never credit the fact that he's one of the best rappers we've ever had. They always go straight to the man. He makes this pop music. 
He's just like commercial. I'm like, yeah, this guy just dropped an EP where he was rapping, rapping, rapping but that rapping, never rapping. gets mentioned. That's that's the only issue I have with. It. I know what he what he's coming to coming from, yeah, but it's just still a little, a I, little off off kilter to me. I don't think most was saying that he wasn't a good rapper, but to to be categorized as hip hop, it's I think. Back in the day, most of those guys wasn't doing multiple genres at once and then Fair. stamping themselves, I'm a I'm a rapper or I'm a I'm a hip hop guy. So I think he was saying like he does great music, but he's not he you can't stamp him hip hop. Because if you hear hip hop, you wouldn't say if you go listen to Drake's catalog, you wouldn't say that's hip hop. I think that's what he was trying to portray. Cause I do think most of the old heads do give Drake his, his flowers. Like Drake does a lot of stuff. He's versatile, but to say that he's hip hop, I think he's more pop. His genre is more pop than hip hop. He goes pop first and then hip hop. So do you think like, do you think in terms of his legacy, do you think Drake will be remem- remembered more so as one of the greatest artists ever or? Yes. Yeah. Just Don't even finish artists. that. Yeah. Greatest artist, not rapper because he does so much. Yeah. Cause you can't just like pinpoint uh, one thing that Drake does, like he's not, I want to say everywhere. He's so versatile that he could do most of his albums have so much on it. You can't say that's a hip hop album. You obviously for all the dogs was really in ex, um, a mix. Like when you add the scary hours part to it, that is a whole mix of so many different sounds. Yes. Like that's, that's really just, what he does. Like when more mm-hmm. like, we're talking about more like that was a playlist for all the dogs was an album. I think a lot of times, He's getting to the point where he's like, man, I got so many audiences to cater mm-hmm. to. Yes. I am going to show you I can rap, but I'm also going yes. to show you I'm going to get got the R&B tracks. I got yes. the hype tracks. I got the, even like the Rich Baby, that, that track is great because- Straight for it's, a certain You know what I mean? But people yeah. love that song because they know what, what audience it fits for. So I think that's the genius yes. of Drake. He knows what audiences, audiences to cater to because I don't know a lot of artists, a lot of rappers who've had to cater to this many audiences. I don't really know that he's in a, yes. a, a exclusive list when it comes to that. For sure. And that's why he's not, that's why he didn't consider him as hip hop. I don't think I he's taking that. away from what he does. I think it was more so like, but so you don't think it was a shot. You don't think it was a shot. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I, cause the laughing, I don't think he was just like, man, I don't want to, I don't think it was like as blatant as DMX. DMX really didn't, he liked him for pers- he didn't like him for personal reasons because he was trying to do stuff with Aaliyah's music and catalog yeah. or whatever. And I think that's the way he took it more personal. I think with most depth, it I think it was more him saying, you can't categorize him just hip hop. Because most of hip hop guys are only categorized by hip hop. The right. genre is hip hop. So when Drake does so many things, you can't say, Oh, yeah, he a, he a hip hop guy, he a, he a rapper, he an MC. No, that boy sing, that boy do dance hard, that boy do pop, that boy do um, uh, whatever. He does so, yeah, yeah, he does so many things, so you just can't categorize him as hip hop. But I didn't think it was a shot though, because yeah, you know what? I, I will say this, man. Most Def, I think he had that look of like, man, I know this clip is about to go so viral. I don't even want yeah. to smoke. <laughs> I'm like, why are you asking me yeah, this question? OG, man. But it was a and perfect. I love most. I love most. Yeah, but, but. most is so dope. But it was a perfect analogy to where yeah. why he, how he said it, 
And then when they say that's a lot of you will hear Drake's music in Target. You will hear Drake's yes. music. <laughs> you're not going to hear hip hop in there. You're not going to hear Kendrick you're in Target. Gonna, yeah, you're not going to hear uh, those type of Father artists. time. <laughs> you're not going to hear Freddie Gibbs or anybody. No. Those are hip hop guys. Those are genre yeah. genre hip hop guys. Definitely. Um, and now getting to the Bucks' recent struggles and kind of you know ways for them to get back on track. They they did have the major blowout win versus Boston, but, but before then they were kind of concerns about their yeah. stru- their struggling. You know, losing losing to Utah. Um, they had lost four of their last five, um, and their perimeter defense have been extremely vulnerable this season. They're ranking the bottom ten of points allowed in, in defensive rating. Um, we know Milwaukee can put up points, and we know what Dame and, and Giannis can do. How? concerning is it to you that they're kind of having these defensive struggles early? Because I did see inside the NBA crew say Shaq said, I, I like the fact that they're having these struggles now being second yeah. in the East, but compared to March and April, this, yeah. this happening to them would be even more of a concern. What have kind of been your initial thoughts on, on the Bucks? I don't think Lillard knows his place or his role. I think he's just trying to figure out, and I, and I understand a lot of people saying, yo, they're 38 game for 39, 40 games in, how do you right. not know what your place and your role is takes on time. the team? It definitely takes time. 82 season, I mean, 82 season, 82 game season. And sometimes it takes to right after the all-star break for players or something to start kicking in and start going for that run. But I think with Damian, I mean, the last game they had, he, and gets tell, I think he had 21 points, uh, 27 minutes. I think it was, uh, he shot three from eight. If I think if he's going to be the three point guy, he has to be more consistent at shooting the three point. Because we know Chris Middleton, he was a three point guy, and he he hit that shot so consistently. That's practically uh, how they were so good because Giannis didn't develop his game at that time to be able to shoot threes or whatever. So whatever role they give him, he has to be consistent at it. If he's just a normal point guard now and just facilitates, well, get fifteen to sixteen assists. If he's a three-point guy, you you got to knock down your threes. Three from eight, I don't think that's good for Dame. I don't. I think at least if you're going to shoot that many, you at least got to make six or five of those. Be be over five hundred. So and then I think the only high highlight point I got from the the bucket not the Buccaneers. Look at there, the, the, the Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks. Bucks yeah. It's Bobby Portis. Bobby coming off the bench, bro. He bro. He twenty eight points to, uh three games ago coming off the bench. Bug eye Bobby Portis, bro. <laughs> How is that the highlight of this team? Man. Him getting buckets. He gets the most buckets off the bench than anybody else. He gets to it. He gets to it, man. So I just, I, I'm still not understanding what role they want Dame to play. And I think they have to figure that out. And I think once they figure it out, they'll be fine. You look at the Clippers. They're starting to figure out roles now, and they're starting to play for each other, and they're starting to exist more. They're starting to give up and move the ball a bit more. I think once the Bucks be able to solidify a couple of things, I think they'll be fine. Second and yeah. East happen now. You want everything this to happen good. before this the break. This is good for now. This is yeah. good right now, January. <laughs> now, when they come off the All-Star break, y'all oh, better you be get coming. To it. Yeah, you got yeah, to gotta gotta get to it. That's go time. Um. Before we move on, man, Draymond Green is back. <laughs> he's had about one to retire. Had one of the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said it. Go ahead. I want to say this that 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 podcast episode, man. So much drama behind it. So I was about to retire. I was in Go the backyard. Me and Steve Kerr were just we just just 
in tears. I was in the in the man cave. My daughter FaceTimed me. She said, Daddy, where are you? I was like, this guy is trying to just drum up all the drama no. he can. And I'm like, Draymond, we, we understand. <clears throat> he, he said something about like, I, in my break, in my 12-game break, I was a cause of change or something. I was like, that hey, goes to Ros- Rosetta. For- <laughs> that, that, that goes to Rosetta. I mean, come Bro. on, man. <laughs> you blatantly put somebody like bro like yeah, you that's mlk that's malcolm x that is not you man <laughs> those were the guys causing you can't put yourself in the in the in the, in the no. civil rights clause man like no it, it, there's to me we're getting to a point with draymond where it's just like hey like do you actually realize what you're doing we know what you're doing but do, are you going to just take accountability for hey i'm not going to do that you. anymore i'm just going to be a, 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 a mature player i'm getting to that OG status in the league now, you know what I mean? Of, of being in the, in the league for so many years. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Draymond being back? And also the Warriors loss after loss, they're struggling. And Skeff said, Hey, we got to make a change. If we say this way, it's just going to be insanity. And we're not going to get to where we want to want to want to be. They should wrap this season up. But before we even get to that, um, Draymond retire, retire. Because the things that you once did for the Warriors, you're not doing anymore. You're more of a distraction than anything. Yeah. You're more of a distraction. The things you're knocking down threes, facilitating, being a defensive presence, is non-existent. It was non-existent last year. It was non-existent when y'all won the NBA Finals. Steph Curry was was killing it. <laughs> Andrew yeah. Wiggins was killing it. Like you were you were in single digits even when you guys won that last championship. Yeah. Retire. Retire. You've got everything you wanted. You, I feel like you want to be a media guy more than a basketball player. It's time for him to go to media. Yeah. Because one, you don't take accountability accountability of your actions and what you're doing. Did you even say sorry to the dude? That's the thing. Yeah. Did you even like apologize to him? Show some type of remorse? Nothing. So all the things that we once gave you credit for, you're not doing anymore. And we expect what what he said to Paul Pierce, oh, you chasing that that um that um guys, they don't love you like that. That, that Tory, yeah, they don't love you like that. Draymond. It's, it's, it's oh, Draymond how like, the tables have no turned, turn. bro. Uh, if you were retired nobody would care. Bro, I want you to stamp this like, when you put like the a, TikTok like, and stuff. It's like Drake bro. said, it's stories about my brother. You're not Kobe Bryant to us. Bro, <laughs> if you were to retire, nobody would care. <laughs> nobody would care. We're tired of your antics. We're tired of you not contributing. You're just running around at this point. You're, you're oh, you got OG status? Yeah. But that's not good OG status. Yeah, it's different. If level. you would have retired, nobody would care. The same thing you said to Paul Pierce, the same thing yeah, we're saying to you back. now. That's crazy. But to get on these go to state warriors, Steph got three more years. Clay has use two. Those, those, use those years well. Don't waste his. Don't waste his. He's because he's playing at a high level. Don't waste Steph's good years. I mean that that's. Steph need to retire after three years. Yeah, Steph, Steph, Clay, Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. You should I mean, have stayed in Toronto. We definitely don't want Steph 
at least for me. I don't want Skepta to hurt that that top ten all time status. That He's. He, he has the... <laughs> I want that to be secure. I want that to be secure because you know. <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm telling you, I gotta ask something to say, bro. People were going at you about that Kareem pick on 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 YouTube. <laughs> they were saying, what, is, "What is this guy saying? Kareem is not number ten <laughs> for that all time top ten." Kareem, list. yeah, people they were said defending. Kareem was people not top defending. ten. No, they Are were you? saying no. They were saying Kareem should have been much higher. They were saying Kareem has to be much higher than, than 10. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no. They were saying Kareem has to be much higher than, than 10. They were, 10. I saw so many Kareem defense comments. I was like, sheesh, man. That's Kareem what we want. Well, it's in. Well, it's in. Oh, no, I know that. I know that. But I was like, Kareem is one of those guys. <laughs> I, was like, listen, I was like, listeners, listeners, Kareem, thank you. <laughs> thank you for agreeing with me and Micah. Kareem is that guy, man. Kareem is that guy. <laughs> I'm not taking anything from a Kareem, but in my and this is this is this is the beauty of it. It's my opinion. <laughs> this is your response. I'm gonna step back. Savon's corner. Step back. This is my opinion. <laughs> Kareem is number ten. I didn't see that fool play. <laughs> I did see you see Shaq Will play? Though. Did you see Will play? You had Wilt at three. I saw. I saw Hala. I saw. Okay. I had Wilt at three. Yes, you. I didn't oh, have. No. I did go not have. Go back and look at the clip. Go back and look at the clip. You know, I read a bunch of stuff about Wilt. I before it was Shaq, it was Wilt. It was I was a huge Wilt fan because I used to read all the books and stuff. And obviously, we could watch his highlights now. But I think yeah. what he was able to do is just. I think, and then he was more than just basketball. And I know we're just talking about basketball, but. To be in the top, anywho, I don't care. Kareem Al-Jalajar is number 10. If you want to get your own podcast or talk about who in your top 10, you do Start so. Kareem is number 10. Just in Savon's Corner is doubling down. The headquarters of Savon's Corner were attacked. <laughs> they were attacked, but they are still standing up. The Savon hey. Corner, the Savon Corner is matter still of fact, <laughs> Matter of fact, Anybody in that comment section, whoever you are, you should you should comment that you want to be on the podcast, and we will bring you on the podcast. Yeah, bring it on. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about. Yeah, it. we'll talk about. We, it. I love it. We, we have you no problem me. bringing on people. We have no problem. No, people. and you convinced me why Kareem Abdul-Jabbar should be further up in the top ten. Open invitation. Open invitation. Open invitation. Bring it on, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Savon's corner is booming in 2024. <laughs> it's booming. This He's is ready. not self-proclaimed. <laughs> this is Wallace is doing with the Savon's corner. <laughs> um, and now getting to our first album review with McKinley Dixon's beloved Paradise Jazz. I'm in his latest fourth album. This project possesses a renewed sense of urgency and aimed for a shorter path through songs. There's live instrumentation in many of the songs and a high level of focus on the subject matter. Um, and, and this was a different. This was a different type of album. This is one where I think. Um, Live instrumentation. I like the the. the... <laughs> Sorry, I pressed the wrong screen and my stuff went away. <laughs> Man, I was scared. I was, I was like, so sorry. Everything... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the the live instrumentation was so dope to me. I like the fact that he 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 took a risk. A lot of times in 2023, I feel like albums were just played it safe. It was this felt like the same thing. To me, this was um. It was a good attempt to to try something different. Instrumentation live with rapping, I think was it was a was a good fit for him. 
Um, how did you kind of feel about this album overall and just, you know, the difference in it? I do think it was a risk. I do think it was different. Yeah. And I think, like you just said, music is so saturated. How do you stand out? Right. How do you be different from every other artist? And I think if this is his, his sound, then, excuse me, it. kudos. But I thought it was so chaotic to where I couldn't grasp the concept of everything. So it was called Beloved Paradise Jazz. And I get the jazz part because it had a lot of jazz um, implementation in there. But I just thought it was so... Like the song I liked the most, and I don't know why, it was Run, Run, Run. Because it was more so not as chaotic as everything else. I thought it was... Yeah, it was... I just couldn't like... like. You couldn't really like you couldn't really grab onto one thing. It was like, yeah. it was like more so like how oh, there's so many things coming at me. Yeah, it's similar to yeah, but when I said like I don't know how to categorize where, where when do you listen to her like like what type of mo- emotions and moment you want to play her like this is a type of same um, realm because with this music when do you play this when when do you like grasp and like oh yeah I I think this will be really dope here. Or like I'm just confused. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not. This is. Don't get me wrong. This is not bad music. I love people who experiment. It's like morning and coffee be able shop to, music. <laughs> it's like yeah. Coffee. Is it like right before the orchestra of the of, of the, the opera or whatever? You just like it has that jazz or right? I don't know. When you're supposed to listen to this type of music, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just. If I save this, I don't know if I'm ever going to be in the mood for it. To actually and I wanna, play it. Yeah. And it's 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 not bad. It's good. It's it's different. It's, it's what we need in music because everything is starting to become it's necessary. Redundant. I think it's kind of yes. necessary music today. So now I'm not I'm going trying to go and try to talk about it outside of the production, all this stuff. Like, okay, I like this. When am I supposed to play this? Right. Because it doesn't inflict emotion. Mm, that's a good point that's a good point because I, I think i think the direction was all over the place but i and, and i was more so focused on hey man like this this he's he's taking a risk he's not playing yeah. it safe. he's not sounding like everybody else everybody mm-hmm. so many people are to sound like a cap or carbon copy nowadays yes but you're gonna have listeners like yourself or be like hey can i just get one thing and like at least one sonic sound where you're you're this is your identity because we really don't know what his identity is we kind of know that he likes a bunch of different things, but yeah. he can't stick with one thing. So I think that probably is the, this may be what he just does for his career, like this, like what he's comfortable with, but it may kind of hurt newer listeners kind of like from coming in and being like, hey, I want to try out this this type of music. Yeah. Like, like, K-Tronada? Yeah, K-Tronada. Yeah. I know when to listen to his music. But I'm feeling like I got a lot of energy after I drink like an energy drink or- Oh, yeah. Like it's a good, like it's like that good, good you know? Yeah, like you want to be, you want to get pumped, you want something like, like this. That Kei and her song, that Kei that and her song is so good, man. Like on Fire. a summer day, on a summer day in spring or something, it's just like, oh yeah, windows. Him and Amine, uh, uh, Amine, Amine, Amine. Amine. Yeah. I still listen to that. Yeah. I still listen to that album and I know exactly when I want to hear it. And it, I'm not saying, it was not more so him doing multiple things. It's like, I like it. But I don't think he's gonna get in rotation. 
because it doesn't afflict that emotion of like, like I, I know Ketronada, Amine, all right, when I'm hype, when I want to hear something, when I'm in low, I used to Janae Summer, like when I want to like, you know, vibe out, but listen to some like airy stuff, I put on Party or whoever, like, but this one, like even jazz, when I want to listen to jazz music, I just put straight jazz on it. Like Boney James, um, there's a couple of, I have this playlist, a bunch of jazz music. Like I'm in a mood just to hear classical music. I'll put classical music on. But for this one, I don't know how to pinpoint what time, what emotion, what I want to listen to it to be able to say, hey, this is something you can listen to all the time. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I'll get into our next review with the D2X's um, Hotel 1105. I'm in the, the rapper, Chicago rapper's second album. He addresses life crisis anxieties while still having ambition. He said in interviews before the album dropped that for this project, he studied 70s classic by um, 70s classics by Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone to emulate an all-killer, all no-filler approach. He, he didn't really want to add any filler tracks for this for this album. And I think, man, like I, I love I love his approach to, 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 to this album, man. I love the soul samples. I love mm -hmm. the hum he, he sounds super mm -hmm. hungry. Sounds like he really wants it. Um I follow him I follow him on Instagram and I see a lot of his stuff about he's he's gonna be dropping more music, dropping more visuals to his music. So I would like to see like what his next move is. Um but to you overall, what stands out to you the most in, in this project and, and what he brought together? It's hip hop. Two concise ten songs. The song I analyzed the most was from Hotel Eleven Oh Five with Love. Mm -hmm. There was a, a pitch of slowness that I've never heard from any other rapper. And it's not like chopping screw. And I think he just created a whole nother, I don't want to say timestamp, but just like cadence of slowness. And I really mm. enjoyed that because I thought he was going to get redundant throughout the music. Yeah, I was concerned about that. Yeah. But he didn't. He, he switched it up. He changed it up. And then when that hit, I was like, I've never heard a rapper. Like, it was more so like him talking, but it wasn't talking. It was like a pitch right before it or a tone mm. right before that West calm of talking like we are now. Yeah. But it was so engulfed into the beat. I thought that was really creative and I'm, I low key want to try it. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a I dope like, attempt. Right. It's a dope example. Cause as an artist, like when I hear music and I'm like, yo, that's really dope. And it makes me, I'm competitive. So it makes me want to see if I can mm. do it or I can get something similar to it. And that song really, I think that's the, my favorite song on the album. And it wasn't like he was like spinning crazy bars. It was just like he did something different within hip hop. Like, I thought it was really dope. I think he has a lot of potential. And I love his cover art. It was really dope. So dope. Um, 10 songs. Yeah, man. You just put me on somebody new. Once again, Wellington, give Wellington his flowers. <laughs> It's I'm funny because it's funny because I follow him him on Instagram and I and I had listened to the project but I had listened to it in a while because a couple months ago I just got this random, <clears throat> random notification that hey D two D two X followed you I was like why is he following me <laughs> and so I was oh, like he followed you yeah he follows me on Instagram he just randomly followed me so I was like has he been listening to the podcast or something but I I, I revisited <laughs> the album I revisited the album and I was like man like this I had to get this album another spin because I listened to it when it around when it first came out. But I was I was kind of distracted because a lot of other music came out. But when I revisited yeah. it for this week, I was like, man, this this is original. Yeah. He, he he knows his direction. And big ups. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, on yeah, a, he's yeah, on a good yeah. path. He's on a good Hip hop, path. baby. Definitely. Um, and now getting to our next review with Coast Contra's 
the Away mixtape. Um, in, in this EP, it has a soulful hip hop sound with uh, R and B influences, and um, and in terms of just pure rapping and something different, they 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 offer that. You are giving the the shaking the shaking your head. Um, <laughs> That's approval. I, I, yes, yes, definitely, man. Because man, I I recently got put onto them, and mm-hmm. bro, there are. It's so interesting because they are so pure in what they are doing, and. The, the the third song about when the, when the AO track when he was talking about hey like you know hip hop's almost dying like we're yeah. still here for it we don't want it to die they really just sound like hip hop purists that just love the genre and they know what they want to do um, they have their own YouTube page where they have just incredible freestyles they they do a yeah. bunch, bunch of crazy stuff See man them on but, Facebook but uh, what what were your thoughts on this EP and just you know the direction in it because man this is one I've been having on repeat I can't remember his name it's his voice his style and he I don't know if you saw this video he was the one talking about how he got set up by a girl and he almost died got beat up he got jumped or whatever oh yeah his storytelling is so amazing bro and the way they they echo the yeah like it's like old school like bro (laughs) like it brings back yeah it brings back so many like memories of listening to like my pops listen to that type of music, yeah. and it's just like, and I'm jumping like this, and I'm yes. jumping like that. It's crazy. So this this was really dope. I love the first song. That's how you. That's how you. That's how you. you that's how you. Yeah, I can't even get it out. Well, it's it. <laughs> that's how you. <laughs> that's how you. Nah, I was really excited when I saw it. I was like, oh yeah, I know these guys. They be yeah. killing their freestyles and in, 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 on their um Facebook pages and stuff. So it's good that there's a group. Once again, there's not many groups. That still does like, this. I mean, Tribe Called Quest. I mean, like it's so many like rap groups back in the day. Like there was like a bunch of them splitting around the corner. You had a rap group everywhere. The last rap group I can think of is Pivot Game, and I don't hear them doing anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's good that th- these guys are coming, coming and getting on the scene and creating like real hip hop and then having yeah. bars. And I think it's beautiful. Like. Five songs, nice EP. Obviously, it got saved. And then it was uh, they they covered. I forgot what song that was. Wait. Yes, this I think this is trial called Quest song. Yes, Q Tip. Oh, uh, because I'm a I'm a huge Q Tip fan. That boy, his it's just like the vernacular. His voice is so crazy. Um, and I thought that was really dope. Like, if you really gonna do it, if you really gonna use that type Call of beat. And they did. They did not disappoint. And I think every song hit. And now I want to hear like a full, full project. How do you think a full project would sound for them? Ooh, it's gonna have to have. It's gonna have, it's to have some interludes. It's gonna have some. Gonna have some. Have some. Have some interludes in it. I think they could definitely. Def- Got add, to. Add interludes. And then the concept has to be on steroids because it's hip hop. Um, I think it would be dope. No, no, no more than twelve songs. Right for for that type yeah. of album, because and then I want to see them at least do not one commercial song, but just like a like an up tempo song that was with a nice hook, mm-hmm. simple. Yeah, yeah, just something simple. Because I mean, you don't have to go crazy with it, but just something simple. I think it'd be dope, though. I you think, think they studied? You think out of all the groups, hip hop groups, the Tribe Called Quest is probably the one that they studied the most? Had to. Yeah. Had to, because. I think out of all the groups, I think they were one of the most prominent. Right. To me, anyways. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of rap groups, man. So many, man. 
But I think <laughs> when we lyric lyrical lyrical and bar heavy, I think there's this bar none. I mean, obviously you got uh Method Man and Red Man, but they ain't they're a group, but they wasn't a group. They really weren't a group. <laughs> they used their name as the yeah. group. Like it wasn't like Come an on. actual group group. Like obviously you got Wu Tang and there's uh-huh. a, a bunch of the guys, but I just I don't know. Wu Tang had a, a, a similar style they stuck to. Tribe called Quest. They Quest really were versatile and was able to do so much within hip hop and find different angles of hip hop were not going outside of being pop or being this and that. But they were, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and now getting to our, to our last review of Dixon's Friends. Um, in this single from 2023, the song's about a tumultuous relationship, but still being unfazed. Dixon expresses self-assurance and a carefree attitude towards life experiences. Um, and I really like this track because it's Dixon to me is one is an artist. Ever since 2021, I've been listening to him nonstop. Um, he's definitely an artist I feel as though is, is progressing. He's he, he started off with the with the short EPs, then then came you know with a full body project in in 2022. And I like I like what he's doing. I like the 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 soundscape. I like uh, he I think he knows what his sound is. Mm-hmm. Um, knows that the, the mellow feel that he can tap into, and he's continuing to do that. Um, how did you kind of feel about this track overall? Dope track. It was actually start of an EP, um, Lovers and Friends EP that he he dropped uh, last year. Um, was, was that, that a mix? Like, was that a mix of like some of his past tracks, the Lovers and Friends? Did he add two? Yeah, two, two of them, them. was uh, okay. only one in Day Off. I was like, you cheating? <laughs> you should just yeah, three, is, yeah, yeah. You, you should just add three songs on there. Um, but now Friends was really dope. <clears throat> I thought it was uh, it was a nice vibe. He didn't do too yeah. much. I thought it was it, it was very simple, but it hit. I do think um, it was a single song to me. I, I thought it was too. a single song. It was really dope. It was really nice. And then you could tell. And then he's so versatile within the R and B and soul. I think he could type top top. Oh my goodness! Tap in, <laughs> yeah, tap in, yeah. <laughs> tap in to pop. And all these other alternate R and B and all these other uh, sounds and genres, but no, I thought it was really dope. This is um, this has been on repeat. Oh, for sure. And then the EP I've been listening to for uh, a couple of weeks now. So yeah, yeah, you he's put on me on it, him man. too. Yeah, he's on it. Well, it's put me on Dixon. <laughs> um, and, and before before we um close out the first half, <clears throat> Kid Cudi just dropped a new album, Twenty One Savage. Um, I think Action Bronson dropped a project. Action Bronson, I, th- I think I think he did. I think Action Bronson dropped the project. Which one are you gonna gonna be checking out first out, out of the Action? I, I, feel like Action, I feel like Action Bronson for sure. Yeah, Action. I'm gonna probably check out Twenty One. I'm not a huge, <clears throat> excuse me, a huge fan of Kit Cudi. I'm intrigued. What what more can you say or do as an artist? Mm-hmm. So I'll probably listen to that second. But Twenty One, I probably would not listen to unless. Wellington put his puts his on our, our music list and he forces me <laughs> to listen to it and I got a feeling he's gonna do that. Um so I, I am gonna listen to it. Wellington. Yeah, I mean he he, he just he's, he's doing this this new this new movie, American Dream. He's got a uh, childish gambino in it. He's gonna be dropping it this July. So this was like the soundtrack. He, okay. This was the soundtrack to the album. So uh, the, the the soundtrack um that for the movie. And so it's I don't know, man, like 21 he's had a this past year and a half has kind of what you do kind of worked out good for him because he got the draco sign and then everybody was like oh let me start listening to 21 again so i i I don't i don't know i have listened to some of it i'm not going to say what i think about it yet but 
Okay. I, th- I think I saw a, a song <laughs> pop up on my uh, new Apple Music. Like they gives me new music every yeah. every week, and I think it popped up. I think I skipped it, so I had to, <laughs> I had to go back and listen. Yeah, to Doja Cat on. Yeah, Doja Cat on. So I know you're gonna skip that song, but, but she she killed it. She killed it. Um, <laughs> say my look, so <laughs> I just don't give certain people airways, bro. Um, I hear you. Like, I have a coworker. I just we. She was like, "Do you listen to Doja?" I was like, and I just did answer her. <laughs> I just walked away. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna cap. I just walked away. She's like, "Say bye." I was like, uh. <laughs> "I don't listen to Doja Cat." <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Maestro review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting to our maestro review. This is a 2023 biographical romantic drama film that focuses on the relationship between the American composer Leonard Bernstein and his wife, Felicia uh, Montalegra, directed by Bradley Cooper from a screenplay he wrote with Josh Singer, also produced by Martin Scorsese, starring Bradley Cooper, Corey Mulligan, Matt Boner, um, My Hawk and Sarah Silverman. It had a, a, a brought in 458000 to the box office, had a 50, 79% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, as we mentioned earlier. Um, this was a film where, like, like you said, even before we were recording, the composer element, sometimes people don't want to see that type of film. They're like, okay, this is, is this going to be just a boring movie? I think Bradley Cooper had a really great performance in it because he kind of embodied what Leonard Bernstein was. Um, to you, what were your initial thoughts on this movie and uh, kind of the direction it took? Because it could have went into like the performance element of like what he did yeah. as a performer, but it kind of went more into like his personal his personal story and some of the demons that he had with him. Right. Well, I'm I'm glad this wasn't a biopic, it, and I've seen a bunch of interviews from when well, I interviews his his kids talking about the film, and Bradley Cooper talking about the film and what he had to do to bring this to life. But initial thought, I thought it was a beautiful love story, and I never knew who this guy was. Obviously, I'm not. <laughs> I like classical music, guy. but I don't know who this conductor, composer guy, who he is, who's one Fair of the enough. greatest American good conductors. So I didn't know who he was going in. I only watched it, uh, and I watched it before, prior to you uh, putting it on the list because of on TikTok, I saw Bradley Cooper's interview. And I like Bradley Cooper as a actor, and I, I do think he has that range of seeing him in countless movies where he showed that he's such a great a- actor. And I was intrigued on how he would depict this guy. And I saw original videos, and I mean spot on. The movements, the energy, the the sure love of, of music, he captivated everything um, in this movie. And I thought it was an excellent love story. And then Carrie Mulligan, man, what a what a great actress as well. Well, they don't go by actress now. It's actors too. She's a great She's actor. Phenomenal. She's she phenomenal. phenomenal. Her role, like she had me convinced, bro. Like <laughs> she's like this in real life. It had to be. Uh, some she people, some people, yeah. Some people, you're like you are you're playing this too well. You're playing this too well for it to not actually be you in real life. <laughs> exactly, bro. Like, hey, uh, it's it's still certain people. Roles they play the movies like, bro. I really don't like you for real, for real. I don't like off Precious uh, Monique. Boy, she played that role too good, too well, too well. <laughs> I don't know, but no, nah, yeah. This was first initial thought. I was like, beautiful. You know, I love that black and white. Um, I like that. I like that element. I love yeah, that element. Films. 
Mm-hmm. I love they use that, and then obviously they use color, but but I love how they the the element of how to tell the story within black and white. And man, he looked just like them. Obviously, you you see Bradley Cooper oozing out under, yeah. and because he has like a, a distinguished face. But yeah, I really enjoyed this. Really gave me a new uh, perspective on uh, conductors. And I asked this question from a musical standpoint and a bunch of people that were in bands and in orchestras or whatever. I was like, I never understood the point of a conductor. And then somebody broke it down to me where he, they're vital. One, knowing what the tempo is, um, keeping you alive because you get so into the music and you have to look up to make sure like everybody's on the same page. You're not outplaying somebody or you're too low. You need to you need to come up a little bit. So when they broke it down to me, I was like, oh yeah, they're definitely be it's so vital, man. Yeah. It's so vital. Even even like growing up, I was in choirs and um yeah. even even in college, I, I, I was in I was in one and I like know just the the tempo you're having to be at, they control mm. that. It may look like look like they're just up there. And just yeah. kind of, you know, wait, but they're at, they actually are really controlling so much because yeah. it's the direction and like those singers, they need somebody to guide them through it. You know what I mean? Right. And, and they, they do that perfectly. I understood on the, the choir because I was in the choir too and all like, you know, and I understood it because one, you do, you need that guidance, but like for music, I'm like, for y'all have music, the sheet, yeah. y'all have the sheet music in front of you. Right. You you have the ear for music. And then that's how they broke it down to me why they're what they do and what's this? It's a temple. This is um one, two, three. Is it one, two, three? I forgot. They yeah. Music but, experts who are listening, don't cook us for this. Don't cook us for this. Hey, we're 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 just we are just watching them. We're just reviewing a movie. That's it. <laughs> I know people are going to be like, oh, what are they talking about? They don't know about music. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We really don't. <laughs> Not that type of music. Not, that. Not that type of yeah. music. <laughs> um, and now getting to our, our first topic from one of four stars, what would you give it? I've been going back and forth with this one. I've been going back and forth a lot. I was hoping you I got first. it. I got it at three. I got it at three. I think it was, was, a, was a really... Um, it was a, a, a dramatic and physical performance from Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Um, I think it the it highlighted who he was, the mm-hmm. person. I think sometimes I wanted more performance elements in it because like the movie Tar that we reviewed recently or, or last year, that felt like an embodiment of a performance element, but also the real life, the, the gritty details, the drama mm-hmm. outside of performance. I, I kind of... I think I was expecting a different movie than what I got. I went into it with certain expectations, Mm -hmm. but the performances were great. I just think the movie, the direction in it could have been a little different. Um, To you, from one of four stars, what would be be your rating? Definitely three. I was in between two and a half and three. And I give it a three just because of Bradley Cooper's performance and Carey Mulligan's performance in the depiction of that love story and the individual personalities of, of, of both characters. And I think they depicted that well. And I mean, it was shot okay. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything against the shot. It was just more so of I think it was too much of the love story. That's these, what I think. That's what I think it. I think it was. Yeah. I really think I was. I was really trying to nitpick. What is it that's just not doing it for me and connecting the way I was? Because I went into it with high expectations, but it just something yeah. in it was like it's kind of dragging the movie down. And it's making it less of a performance film than I thought it was going to be. 
Yeah. And I understand if the, the concept of it was showing the life of one of the greatest composers, conductors to ever do it, but there's still some type of um, desire to show more performance. I don't know if it's because Bradley Cooper can do all of the performance or they just wanted to pinpoint and consensualize. That's not a word. Consolidate. Uh, I didn't want to use that word. I wanted. I had a horrible intro. Hey, listeners, I had a horrible, like the way I I brought in the show was trash. It was so trash. I'm sorry. I laughed a little bit. (laughs) I was, yeah, I was horrible. I was horrible. So I'll just say it. Whatever Savon does, hey. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I try to create a new word. I'm always about creating new words. If Webster Dictionary can do it, I can too. Um, but nah, they try to highlight it way too much. I understand it was a beautiful love story and then it had the ups and downs and she was a driving force for who he was as an individual and how they met and all these stuff. Was, this is phenomenal. But I thought it was a overdrawn out element of a more of a story that should have more performance. It's too weighty. How good of a conductor and composer yeah. he was. Show that. That's what I really wanted to see. When I'm thinking of Maestro, I'm thinking of I want to see how great of a performer this guy was. I know he's mm-hmm. a human, but the human element was almost the focus compared to the actual title of the movie. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, I just think yeah. I just think that was a folly. I just I just yeah. think that, that that wasn't you know something that actually needed to be done. And I think that's what a lot of people didn't really like yeah. it as yeah. much. I think they respected it because of his performance and his depiction of Mr. Bernstein. But for just a overall movie, the love story drawn out was was too much. Definitely. Um, and now getting to favorite character, um, I would go with Felicia because I think this was a very rich performance and Felicia? she had a lot of depth to it from from them chronicling how she met Bernstein to the highs and lows of their marriage and her eventual health issues. I think she was a really just pivotal character in the movie um, and her performance was- Spitfire. Yeah, she was. <laughs> but I mean, in in the film, um, she brought a lot to it. She yeah. came with a, with a very demanding and um, just in control performance. She knew, what, she knew what she had to do in it. Um, to you overall, who's your favorite character? That's a perfect word, demanding. She definitely was. Fix your hair. <laughs> Fix your hair. <laughs> you get a sloppy. Right. Whoa, baby. I understand it. But hey, talk to me nicely. But obviously, Leonard Bernstein, the man, the way he just fell into the music, you can tell it took a lot out of him, but he was he was, he was in so in love with it. And I think once you do that, it's just first nature. And I love there's a lot of composers, a lot of conductors, a lot of just artists, music artists, athletes or whatever who fall in love with what they're doing. I thought it was beautiful and how like how he looked at her, how he interacted with her, even when she was demanding. I thought it was like a, a sheer true love for both music and for his wife. And he seemed like a great father as well. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You just can't, you can't go away from that character. Um, and then he was like, he was fiery, man. His his performances, his energy. Like if I play so invested, so invested yeah, performances. If I played an instrument, I would love for him to be my composer slash conductor. And just to know that, because if you see one of the performances in there, it was a lady. She was like in the violin. She was like, 
Like she was going crazy because yes. he matched the energy. And I feel like he was one of those conductors. And I really just spazzed. Literally, go look at that scene again. It was a close up of the violin section. Yo, and was Lady was, was going, going crazy. Head. head was like she was possessed. Um, <laughs> but I just got a feeling like that's what type of conductor he was. He wanted you to match the energy. He wanted you to fall, feel it. He wanted you to be in tune with it. So that's, I think his character is really dope. Definitely. Um, and I'll get into the most memorable scenes. Um, I have the, the Eli Cathedral Thanksgiving Day tirade. Bernstein uh, meets Felicia. Bernstein and Felicia's yeah. interview. The conducting scenes. Felicia's doctor visit and the, the news of her having cancer. Then Bernstein's family together one more. Uh, together uh, um, singing at home um, yeah. before her death. I think that was, that was a such one. a really um, pivotal movie because he he really did love his family. Um, he had a yes, lot of he, a lot of issues, but he really did love his family. He wanted them together. Um, so you kind of what were some of the memorable scenes for you in this one? There were three. Um, the one when he met her the first time, he introduced yeah. him. He's at I think he was at the piano, like leaning on the piano, and then when the they were singing at the house, and then the L Cathedral that performance, and you look at the original one. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper did a and I saw I saw so many interviews. It was like he did that take. He did it for like a bunch of times, right. and he was like, "Let me do it one more time. Let me do it one more time." And that was it. What we see in the film was the last take. And then he was he he walked off, and he said a couple of the people that were in the orchestra came up to him. He was like, "All the other ones were crap. That one." It really felt like you were directing us and conducting us. Wow! And I was like, I gotta go watch it now. I have to watch it because I, I looked to. at both of them and I was like, that's their energy, the facial expressions, the demand of perfection. And yeah, it was it was really dope. And then the music was amazing. I mean, I'm, I like classical <laughs> music, and it was it's dope. So good, like that man. was that scene kind of. I wish there were more scenes like that. Obviously, you had it practice and stuff, like, but I wish it was more. Of those iconic scenes that made him one of the greatest conductors, yeah. That's that's what I wanted to see. So I mean, when you have when you have scenes like that, that I think, in my personal opinion, I think there were more scenes that probably were in the vault that could have been done for those conductors. Probably, and they just were like, mm, "We're gonna leave it." Do an edit, yeah. The romantic story, so because it was a lot, it was a lot of stuff they could have left out with yeah. the romantic, like yeah. sitting in the park back to back. Her in the pool, like sitting, like it's so many things, elements that really didn't bring the story together that you could have left out. But I'm not a director. We're not a director. Did you see the movie A Marriage Story? Um, with uh, who's in that? I think it was with um, it was with one of the actresses that was a. I think she was she was in Iron Man Two. Marriage Story. Let's see. It was also a Netflix film. Yes. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And um, 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 Adam, Adam, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Amazing yes. Amazing movie. Yeah, and I was like, this almost feels like an imitation of of that, than more so of what of what the the actual composer element, because that movie actually you knew what you were getting, and I think yes. that was a beautiful film. I think that was a yes. really good film. We need to review that one. We need to review that one. Yeah. That was a good one. That's that was movie. great acting. Yes. I was in my prime. I could have had any woman I yes. wanted. But, bro, like, I'm like, okay, Adam? Okay. And then Scarlett had a, <laughs> Scarlett had a great performance in there, too. And then I love how it ended. It was beautiful. But nah, that's a that's a, that's a good analysis. Because yeah. it was similar to how it was shot, how they kind of said it. Yeah, 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 that's a good analysis. 
And now getting into most um, memorable quotes, I had a, a work of art does not answer questions. It provides them from the Bernstein. He loves the music. He doesn't need one. rehearsals. He feels it so much from Bruno Zerato. And that's why we, you and I, are able to endure and survive because the world only wants us to be one thing. And I find that deplorable from Bernstein. There are many things stopping me, Lenny, but fear isn't one of them from Felicia. I'm a perfect example of that from Bernstein. Then finally, I love music so much. It keeps me glued to life, even when I'm depressed mm-hmm. from Bernstein. Um, and you saw a lot of his depression in this movie and how much... Yes. Uh, a lot of these musicians, man, they they battle with that because mm-hmm. they are having to give out so much yep. that they don't really take care of what they need inside. And they're just like having, hey, look, let me perform. Let me, we even see with performers today, artists today, I feel like a lot of artists probably go through that. Um, but so you kind of yeah. like, what were your memorable quotes? Felicia had most of them, to be completely honest with you. And now that you said, I was just thinking when we were talking and he needed her style, her demandingness her, um, who she was as a person, because he was getting lost. I think that's what I, I, I saw in that depression. He was getting lost a lot, and he was relying on music to take him out. Um, but I think Felicia was a good aid, and his kids were a good aid, too. I thought it was beautiful. But Felicia, one, fix your hair, you're getting sloppy, because he's not taking care of himself. And the only way he can hear her is if she's like that. And now I'm kind of figuring, because... You look at all musicians and their wives, they're mild-mannered, they don't talk much, they're soft-spoken, they don't stand up for themselves. And Felicia was not, was not, not having that at all. It. Not that no. at all. <laughs> and, she, and another was like, it's my own arrogance to think I could survive or what he could give. That was, I thought that was a, a, a dagger. And then Felicia said, it was amazing. And then Leonard like, darling, why did you come? And she was like, there's no hate. There's no hate in your heart. I thought that was like she had some good ones, and there are many things stopping me, but fear is not one of them. And I think she was what he needed. She was like that balance, in a, in a sense, especially in a, in, a, in a wife. You want that. You want her to be balanced with you. And yeah, yeah, because you see, yeah, she absolutely brought if that. You're, if you're not careful, you're gonna die alone, a lonely old queen. Where I think they were in his office or somewhere. Yep. And she said that to him. Day. As a man, you gotta digest that. You gotta take that one in. You gotta, you gotta yeah. really process that. You really gotta process that. And he knew exactly what she meant. And it's only the way she said it, I feel, that was would, would get to him. And then it was sad that she was telling him to take care of himself and then she got cancer. I think that's that's crazy. But no, she was definitely now Wellington. Hey, Felicia was the best character. <laughs> Felicia was man, the best she, she came with it. She came with yeah. it in this one, man. Um, and now I get to what did you like the most about the storyline? Uh to me, the fact that I do like how they highlighted the the mental health issues that artists, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 um composers and just you know musicians in general go through. Um, I thought that was a necessary element to highlight and kind of tap into. Um, so you kind of, what particular element of this storyline did you like the most? Yeah, that. And then, and I think Felicia. Now just thinking about the whole thing and replaying the movie, I think she was not like any other musician's wife that you've seen on the screen or heard about. She brung it. She was what he need. She said what she said, and she means what she says. And she was direct, 
And I think that's what he needed. And he he battled a lot of depression. And I'm glad. And I'm I'm not. I don't know if they said this in the film, but I don't think he turned to drugs. He smoked a lot of cigarettes. Yeah. But most musicians will do drugs or hard drugs and get in. But he didn't do that. And I'm pretty sure she would have killed him <laughs> if he would have oh, did yeah. hard drugs. <laughs> she probably would have killed him. The cigarettes was an exception. But I do think highlighting the depression of being at the top of the mountain and what it takes to get in the top of the mountain and what the effects are and then showing how he dealt with that. And I think that was a good highlight because we we get that in certain movies, but it's always negative. Mm-hmm. I think they depicted it in a positive light how he dealt with depression and yeah. how he was helped through his depression and then how he stood, he was still on the mountaintop while while battling depression. I thought that was beautiful because it's always a negative light. It's always a negative light. Oh, they was on drugs. He became a crackhead and um, he used to beat his wife and all, all this stuff. We didn't, we didn't, yeah, we didn't get that in this. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Musicians, man. Womanizers. Not all musicians. Not all musicians. But uh, there's different ones. There's anomalies. There's anomalies yeah, out there. Yeah, there's definitely the anomalies. <laughs> this is, this um, is terrible. Man, when you look at, when we look at at Bradley Cooper and what he's done. He's been in a lot of different movies. Star mm-hmm. is Born, The Hangover, American Sniper, Limitless. Yes, um, Limitless was a good one. Gardens of the Galaxy, American mm-hmm. Hustle. Like, like when you look at what he's done and his catalog and like you Silver said- Silver Linus Playbook. Yes. You, you, mentioned, you mentioned range. What mm-hmm. stand, stands out to you the most about what he's able to do in these different movies? I think it's the bring, the bring out the, the character. Like- a splitting image. Cause if you've never seen the Mr. Bernstein, you would think that's Bradley Cooper is him. Cause it's literally a splitting image. Like they put it on, they put a side by side. And to be able to bring that energy and bring what he was, like I don't there's no flaw in his in his acting in his in his depiction. No, no, there's no know. flaw. You can't say Bradley Cooper didn't do a good job. Maybe he's under Maybe he's on a fire for some other things from this film, but his depiction of Bernstein was spot on. And it, and it wasn't even a biopic. It was literally him telling the love story and then highlighting how good he was as a conductor and a uh, composer. So Definitely. I think his ability to do that and then be able to play any role um, and be able to like find different nuances of characters. Because even with his voiceovers for... For Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't think you could put anybody else's voice. That obviously they they mix it up, they contort it a little bit. I think, but his voice still breaks through. I don't think you find anybody who can voice Rocket like Bradley Cooper does. I think he's underrated as an actor, and I think um, he brings different type of most. Even for uh, wedding uh, wedding crashers, he was in Wedding yes. Crashers. Yes. Phenomenal job. Uh, he was he's super funny. Uh, he, he can do it all. He can play comedy. He can play drama. He he, he can do uh, biopics, which is uh, not a biopic, but I think he's he's definitely versatile. And being versatile these day and age gets you gets you gigs. And then he's producing and directing, which is hard was, to do. Did he have some production credits in, in Joker? Or because I, I feel I like he think, I think he was in part of part of part of Joker. I mean, I think he was. But I know acting, directing is extremely hard. That that's 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 hard thing to do, and to be able to stay in character, hard. and then, yeah. you know, not not a lot of people can do that. I know off the top of my head, Ben Stiller did it. Um, oh, he was an executive producer on Joker. 
in the yes. And that's really dope. That's really I didn't really know Mars Scorsese was part of this film, though. Yeah, and doing the research for this, this was the first time I saw that he actually was a part of part of this movie. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. I wanted. So, I mean, obviously, a... he, I, I wanted to know. I honestly kind of wonder how much involvement did he have in it because right. I, I think this movie would have been a little different if, if Scorsese had been a, been a part of it. <laughs> well, now I gotta know because yeah, what if Mars Scorsese was like a driving force to be that way? Tell that love story that way. Because now that you think that about it, it was kind of shot like a Mars Scorsese it, Yeah, film. yeah. When you really like peel back the layers and look at this movie, I was I was like, it kind of makes sense that Scorsese was a part of this. Because it was a lot of just like movements. Yeah. And like widescreen so you can shoot. Like it was one scene on Goodfellas, how he's walking through the club mm-hmm. and just everything was happening. Yeah, the Copacabana. Yeah. Beautiful shot Crazy. scene. And it had some some similarities. Now I want to know, Martin. It's one of the most iconic scenes ever. Like, yeah, know, that was yeah. I, I think he was like talking to do that. <laughs> that was like, so it dope. Was just I was like, show how people's the whole minds world were blown when they first. I'm like, what? <laughs> it is no jump cuts. That's that's one shot. Yeah. One guy, one camera guy following the whole thing, shooting it well. That's so extremely hard to do without n- nothing messing up. They had to practice that a bunch of times. Had to. It's it's so funny because because we're I was um I was with a a group group of people at, at my church today and they were all saying like they were mentioning these 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 newer movies these newer shows and they're like Wellington we know you only like the critically acclaimed movies you know? <laughs> I was like why are y'all taking shots at me <laughs> Goodfellas to me is it's just one of those movies man those those just like consistent whenever it's on no matter what part of the movie i am watching it like yes, it can be 30 minutes left when he's getting chased i'm i'm watching it like it, it's i'm like he got so much iconic voiceovers from shots to just like bro goodfellas is a great film like even casino casino is another one i don't care what it i know it's extremely long but i'm going it doesn't matter i'm going to watch it <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I don't I've been care watching how long it is. Yeah, I don't care, bro. I would sit down and watch it and be intrigued at the same yeah. way. Like I'm like it's the first time I ever watched it. Like, Man, I wonder what's gonna happen. Exactly. Man, they tripping, bro. Talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch critically okay movies. Well, we're getting to our last topic. Ten years from now, do you still think it'll be watched when intriguing? And I think this is an interesting one because when you're expecting um a performance movie, you get something different, and maybe it may it may feel a different type of watch for you. But if you're just looking at performances, man, Bradley Cooper absolutely killed this. Um, this was both, both, you know, uh, top two, top two actors killed it. And I think when mm-hmm. we look at the totality of this movie, the, the character of Felicia, what she did in it, bringing that balance to, to Bernstein was just so pivotal and, and we needed it highlighted. How do you think this movie will be, you know, will age another decade from now, how, how viewers will kind of, you know, think about it. It's tricky with these type of films like Oppenheimer. Even yeah, I still haven't Shabba. watched the one with um, uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. The Search of the Flower Moon, man. I still I really haven't watched that yet. I haven't watched it yet. I've had every opportunity to do so, but I was just like, I'm just not in a mood. To I'm gonna watch. say this though. I'm gonna be really intrigued if you do watch it. Let me know, and then just just, just, just give our give us your brief review after. Because I'm gonna be really intrigued to hear to hear what you think about that one. I'm at the. I'm gonna have to watch it because it took me a while to watch uh, Irish because um, we reviewed that. I had yeah. to watch it, but it took me a while to actually like watch it. But I don't know. I gotta put put in my mindset. I know it's Martin. 
I know it's DiCaprio. I know these some great guys, but I Lily like, oh. Gladstone. I will say this: she's gonna she's gonna be one that she. I think she's gonna gain a lot of res- she gained a lot of respect, obviously. Respect from, but I think her yeah. performance. Pay attention to hers the most because she has a really a really dynamic one. Hmm. Okay. But these type of films, just because they're like a, like a historic type vibe and telling. Right. It's I don't know if it's going to be, gonna be a yeah, watchable in yeah. 10 years. So we were just talking about movies that you can rewatch at any point. This is one is it's it's a it's a very it's in a different category. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's not like it, hey, let me just flip on Maestro. <laughs> yeah, exactly cuz with Goodfellas it's like it's entertaining, you're going to get yeah. laughs, you're going to get action, you're going to get killing, you're going to cuz we're always so intrigued about the mob and what yeah. they had they had their hands on a lot of things so you're always intrigued about mob movies and stories or whatever the case may be but with films like Oppenheimer and and this and some other you know, other films that you know biopics of things that happen in history you're not always in the moment to want to watch those type of films because you really have to sit down and watch it if that makes sense cuz with but like mob films or whatever, you can, you know, you're intrigued, but you can glance over or whatever. You're not going to miss much of the story. But with this one, like, I feel like I was glued to the screen because I felt like I had to. I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss oh, yeah. something about their story or what's going on. If I even just go to the bathroom, I just, I pause it so I don't miss anything. Yeah. Certain films yeah. just want to pause it. Yeah. Definitely. Um, before we close out, though, you, you, so you did watch Oppenheimer. Yes. What did you think? Did, did was it a, was it an Amazing. impressive? Yeah, it was. It was, it was crazy. Amazing, bro. <laughs> so good, man. West Com performance was phenomenal. Robert Downey Jr. played oh, a man. great role, and then obviously my Celine guy Murphy. Yeah, played a phenomenal. He's been in so many Nolan movies. When I look back, I was like, yeah. man, he was in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was also in in, in Dunkirk. Obviously, Inception. Yep. Bro, he's been in a lot of Nolan movies and good. He's a great actor. Really good Nolan yeah. movies as well. He's a great actor. And his his catalog is extensive too. And I think they're about to finally do a Peaky Blinders movie. Okay. Um, they said it was some reproductions. I don't know if you're familiar with Peaky Blinders, if you mm-hmm. watch that phenomenal show. Love how they ended it. And I'm I'm excited for a movie. But I think he's a good actor too. And Seems yeah. like Oppenheimer's gonna have a really dominant Oscar run. Seems like they're gonna be in that. Oh, you know, for a sure. Of, a lot of nominations, a lot of wins. It's... Besides, I'm I am hearing the holdover, the new Paul Giamatti movie that came out, like it was the comedy drama. It's, it's on Peacock. It's it's a, it's it's a it's getting a lot of buzz too. But I think besides that, Killers of the Flower Moon, it's it's controversial. So it's not the type of movie the Oscars would, would put up. But mm. Oppenheimer, man, like. Even at the Golden Globes, it's 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 racking up a lot of a lot of attention. So it's it's gonna go on that run. I mean, they had they shot it well, shot it well. I think they didn't leave a lot of things out. And then if you're a history buff, you kind of got the like the intricate detail of what was going on, why Hitler oh, yeah. was was an intricate you uh, part. Yeah, you got what you want. You got all the like the juicy details you want to get it because it's it's government. You're not gonna whatever. <laughs> You're not gonna know that. Um but for for me it was it was just like that's why I went to see that over I mean obviously that's that's pivotal because of what they did to that's crazy what they did to them. And I think that's why I didn't want to watch that movie because I'll 
probably get pissed because it's as worse as slavery. How are you going to cap somebody's it's a heavy money? Watch. Bro, it's insane. And I think that's another reason why I'm hesitant to watch it because I'm going to get upset because one, I have I have that blood in me, Blackfoot and Cherokee. And I'm going to get extremely upset. How how do you cap somebody else's money, I'm bro? That's well, I got the Cherokee. I got the Cherokee in me too. Like it's, it's, it's Yeah, hard. bro. Like how do you do that? <laughs> are you come with somebody? Bro, the audacity. To do something, bro, that's crazy, bro. And they get upset. We did not like it. Absolutely. Anywho, yeah, yeah, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that you sat through that. Because I would have turned that, 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 that theater. Me and Kevin Garcia, were, me and Kevin Garcia were talking about it when he, when he was on for the review of it. He said he was, you know, watching it and like he was super emotional near the end because his wife was yeah. like, "Are you okay?" Like. He said, bro, that was a tough watch. And he's studied, I mean, you know, in his lineage, you know, obviously from what we talked about in that review. And he said that was, it's a great one. He he appreciated it, but he also was yeah. like, man, I needed Tell the story. I needed yeah. some time to process it after I left. Yeah, like, that's bro, that's the amount of stuff they did to them. And then you turn around, oh, man, that's, that's, and they want us to forget. They want us to forget so quick, man. Like, oh, just come on. That's the past. That's the past. Come on. Let this bygones be bygones. Yeah. That's Childish Gambina said, man. Bro. <laughs> <sighs> I might actually might rewatch that video because that was a crazy video. <laughs> that was a crazy video, bro. My goodness. Bro. And then he want to downplay when it first came out. He's like, bro, I don't know what y'all talking about, bro. That's just a regular you video. You know, child. Come on. You come know on, that, that video. And it's the video. Like whenever people talk about that, it's the video because that is one that instantly, instantly, I'll never forget it. It was a Wednesday night in youth group. Tyler played it. That that video is like, what do you guys think? Everybody was like, their jaws were dropped. They're like, bro, that was crazy. I've never seen something so like that. So <laughs> many like you gotta pause it to pick up on a, a bunch of stuff that he was talking about. Man. And then Atlanta like highlighted so many things. And I, I miss that it show took so me, much. I miss that show so much. Bro. Man, I wish it would have came really back. Watched. The last season, the last season, I enjoyed the most because it was so sporadic. It was we still everywhere. haven't reviewed the last season. We still haven't reviewed the we last. Got to. Still gotta review the last because he did a review. whole thing yeah. on the the um Goofy movie. Yes, and how that actually might have been my favorite episode of the entire. That was season. my favorite because I never knew that. Episode. He, got, he was the that. head of Disney because they thought he was another dude. And you can't do that because they would have sued him. Like, bro. And then they changed so much of the movie without his permission. And they, I think somebody killed him. That's definitely one of those like hidden mysteries where you don't even know. It's so deep in the ball. I'm like, what research did they do? <laughs> like, bro, that was crazy, man. Atlanta season four rewatch is coming soon. And that's all you guys. <laughs> yes. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wonder Burns. I'm my kind of our Save by Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.